There's a certain aggressiveness or assertiveness connected to the gospel that we believe in that will never be disassociated from it. There's an outward looking that's a part of who we are and what we do that uh, at times we get distracted from or at times in our selfishness we become more absorbed about our own feelings in the Lord. And yet we have to keep clear that this is part of our call right from the very beginning. Um, I've mentioned this before, but through the years, the Lord's Prayer is a prayer that I pray uh, numerous times a week. Not every day, but several times a week at least, I will be taking that as the form for my prayer. And a lot of that is to help root out my own selfishness. Now, you know, if you ask me what I think of myself, I'll say that I think I'm fairly gracious. I think I'm fairly generous. I'll tell you good things. But the truth is, my selfishness is exposed in prayer regularly. And I'm forced to look at things that aren't as they should be. And one of the things that happens for me is that when I go through this, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, I'm forced to say, I'm not the big deal he is that I have to acknowledge that it's about his kingdom. It's not about building mine. And that it's about his will and not him being twisted into my desires. So when I throw that out there and say, okay, thy kingdom come, do you have a clear idea of what that means for your life and those around you in association with God's kingdom? Most of us are still wrestling through. What are the implications of that? What does it mean for God's kingdom to be expanding in my sphere of influence? And furthermore, when I pray, thy will be done, regularly I slip into this thing of, uh, well, help me not to sin in this area. And I'll list one of my pet areas. That's very self-absorbed, isn't it? I mean, thy will be done is a lot wider than my petty sins. And when I truly have a grasp of what he's wanting to do, there are things that he wants me to participate in and involve myself in that reach out into other people's lives. And and so if we really have a grasp of this, we are not just absorbed with ourselves, but we're pushing outward. So that's why that, that prayer, in some ways, over and over, I, I pull back to that because I, it's important for me to, to, to recognize that it's not just the, the moment. Now, the truth is, throughout the day, I'm praying sentence prayers or whisper prayers, whatever, whatever you want to call them. And there have been times when I've been locked into lists, you know, where I'll come in here and, and I'll go through a list day by day by day, and then, then that'll be gone for a while. I have a, pre- I have a friend who has been praying for me every Wednesday for over 35 years. I wish that I could tell him, I've done the same for you on Tuesday, <laughs> No, I usually mumble, you know, I pray for you too. <laughs> Not even close. 
But to accumulate, you know, that discipline and order in his life has been amazing. And I'm very grateful for it. You know, I'm grateful when I'd hear that relatives were praying over my life every day. You know, but that, that said, I'm getting distracted. What I, what I want to just emphasize this morning, that the outward look for our gospel has to continue to, to look toward other lives and saying, what can I speak, what can I do that would honor the kingdom of God and allow Christ's name to be lifted up in their lives? Um, let's, let's start out with, remember when Jesus was dedicated in Simeon? holds him, and he's been waiting for this day. He says, I, God's promised me this before I die, that I'll see the Messiah. And he makes this declaration. He says, my eyes have seen your salvation. That's a very important idea because it says that God, the, the creator of all things, the sustainer of all life, the ruler of all things, has an order and a system that he has implemented you and I wander away, so he has implemented a, a strategy for our redemption, for our restoration, for us to be brought back into peace with him, our salvation, you know, where our sins are washed away and there's this opportunity for us to live a new life with him. Remember, one sin pushed us aside from him. One sin was enough to bring separation, but this act of Salvation through Christ is what draws us back into fellowship with God. And so he's looking at Jesus, the baby at that point, the infant, and saying, this is, this is how it's coming. And then he makes this declaration, you'll be a light for the, of revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. In other words, your life is going to have impact for the whole world. Your life is going outward. It isn't just about an individual. It isn't just about some grand deed that you're going to do. This is an opportunity for everyone. Before we get too far, you know, they say roughly a third of, of the world's population are Christian. And in that, you're going to hear immediately, well, what about the other two-thirds? You know, the God loved, you know, what, why, why not that? Jesus didn't make any apology even before he had the disciples that he had a message that was going outward. He didn't make any apology when he only had 12 and saying, well, you're a small group and we don't really have this right to declare that this is for everyone. He made the declaration, I'll make you fishers of men. When there's 120 in the upper room and they're bringing this message out and say, this is what Joel prophesied and this is going to be for all people, it is is a vast minority. Nevertheless, the declaration is being made, this is for all. So it's it's a falsehood for us to get caught up and say, if we're not the majority, we don't have a right to speak. We have never been the majority. The message has always been the same. In the Gospel of Mark, in the first chapter, he's been through the wilderness experience and he's starting on his ministry. The time has come. God's kingdom soon will be here. Turn back to God and believe the good news. 
He's making declaration. He says, we've all wandered off. We've all done things that were self-centered. We've all done things that were profane. We've all done things that were wretched. But he says, a God who created all that isn't delighted by that kind of behavior, but he still draws us back to him. He's saying, turn around. And then he goes on and says, he's walking along the shore. Next verses. See Simon and Andrew? Casting there says, come with me, I'll teach you how to bring people, bring people in instead of fish. Make you fishers of men. So he, he is making this assertive claim, we're going to do something that draws people to God. Then he goes on and sees James and John and says, they left their father in the boat and the hired hands and went with them. Again, their lives are turned. And there's a change, a complete change. It isn't, you know what? I can fix you up right where you are. I'll touch you, and then I'll go on to the next. He calls them to a different life. So there's an assertiveness, an aggressiveness in his gospel from day one. Let's go on. In his teaching, he says, you're the salt of the earth. You're not just salt in your household. You're not just salt in you. You're the light of the world. Not just light inside yourself. Not just light inside the family. Not just light inside the church. What's the declaration? You are the light of the world. So his perspective is always all of creation. Mark 16, after the resurrection, go preach the good news to everyone in the world. Anyone who believes in me is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe in me will be condemned. He's drawing the line. He says, this message is for all. The day of Pentecost, you know, they've gone through the, the testing, so to speak, Death and resurrection. Remember in the Garden of Eden, our, excuse me, in the Garden, when Jesus draws them to Gethsemane, the final time, watch and pray, they all fall asleep. When he leaves them, they have 10 days in an upper room by themselves. And yet, they're aware enough of what's going on, and they, they have grasped the message enough They're saying, we're not going to stop praying this time. We're not giving up this time. And the Spirit descends upon them, and it spills out into the street. Not an accident. Not just an in-house experience. Spills out. Now, it was a festival time, so there were people from all over the world in Jerusalem. These are devout people. They've made their way to worship. And the declaration is made, and I've, I've missed one of my slides, but it, in verse 38, he says, your sins will be forgiven. You know, repent, be baptized, your sins will be forgiven. And the Holy Spirit will be given to you. In the 39th verse, it says, this is for you and your children and everyone in whom God will call. 
So again, it's this outward-looking, outward-proceeding gospel. It was never meant to be just internalized. It's a sign of our selfishness when we get too absorbed that way. It's a measure of our own selfishness when we come together and just say, I hope God touches me this morning. Well, obviously, we all want that. But if that's all we're consumed in, then all it is is we've tried to take our selfishness and plant it into Christianity and, and pervert it. And, and to make it something just for us. It was never designed that way. It was meant to change our lives, but also change the lives of those around us. Peter tells them in the 40th verse, I beg you to save yourselves from what will happen to these evil people. <laughs> All of these religious ones that have been here, I beg you. All of those that have come to this city for this festival in the Lord, I beg you, turn your lives over to Christ. What we have in Christ is special. It's an honor to participate. God's only Son coming to earth. There's, you know, we, we can say it so many times, it just becomes mundane. But the truth is, it's unique. And it's, it's our message. Years ago, I, I sat down and tried to define the gospel message in just a, a couple hundred words. It was an exercise that had been given out to a number of people associated with Christianity today, and they had a number of people um, that they had asked to send it. None of them matched. And uh, that was intriguing to me. And there were elements that you read that were missing out of different ones, but you know their perspective had gathered that. And so it was just an exercise I started working for myself and, and trying to go, okay, what would I say? And then how would I say it in such a way that, that I could identify it every time? And I ended up locking into this term, Lord Jesus Christ. Lord is, that, is the idea of an authority figure that overrides all. And so as creator and the holder of all life, there's, it's essential that we recognize that there is a God over all creation who has authority over our lives. Jesus is, Lord, help, God help us or save us. There's, it's attached into that name. And so when I'm, when I'm trying to think about it and trying to define what I'm I always just, you know, I'll, I'll pull back to these simple things because I need things like that to remember. More and more I need things like that to remember. But don't say yes, you do. <laughs> but with, with that term, Jesus, he came to earth that we might be forgiven of our sins. That's very clear, that our lives would be turned, that we might have new life in him that there might be a change in us that is forever. And then with Christ, that was associated with the term Messiah, 
But what it is, is, is that for years, the Jews have been looking for a kingdom to be established that would last forever. They were looking for an ongoing, eternal kingdom. You read David's Psalms, and, and it's like he's talking about this kingdom that, that will go on, and I'll serve you and live with you, and then he steps into forever. And so even though he's acknowledging mortal life, he's saying this is a seamless thing because what's been started is, is forever. And so they were looking for this. They were looking for the Messiah. They were looking for this anointed one to establish that. That's what we have in Christ. So we have the Lord over all creation, the one who saves us, who has established a kingdom that will go on forever. That's our message. That's what we participate in. In the same way, I, I walked through a thing in defining what, what is a Christian. You know, if, if, if I have a message, well, what is it to be a Christian? What am I trying to get across when I talk to people? And again, I, I put it in ABCD form. You can use this if you want, but... It, the authority of God must be acknowledged. The authority of our Lord Jesus Christ. So there is a ruler over all things. And that's something that I have to embrace. Secondly, to be made new. To know that I have a life in the Spirit. To have my life transformed. To, to be brought into a new relationship with God and the church. That, that you know, the church is His community, so... My relationship with those around that I embrace him is different than it was, but also it's because I have a relationship with him now. So I've been made new. Thirdly, is the one who changes direction. In other words, I renounce sinful ways. I renounce shameful deeds. I, I renounce the guilt that's been a part of my life, and I embrace his ways of doing things. Thy will be done. I change direction. And finally, I de declare and demonstrate what is transformed in my life. And that's what we've been looking at this morning. The declaration and the demonstration of what's transpired within our hearts. And always, it needs to be looking and saying, God, what would you have me do? Who would you have me speak to? What would you desire coming out of my life in a way that others say, what's different about you? We have this privilege in Christ to be transformed. And I encourage you as you go out, particularly those of you that are leaving now and heading out this summer, be salt and light. Recognize that the gospel is to go outward and that God has a specific plan to speak through you to others. May your name be honored and lifted up, exalted through our lives. We thank you for your good news that has brought salvation to us, brought us to peace with you. Now, Lord, I pray over this group in particular as they go out, use them mightily for your service. Amen. Let's pray that Lord's Prayer together with me, will you? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. 
Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Lord, I ask that your blessing will rest on these, your people. They discover the fullness of favor that you intend for their lives. Help them to know with joy the fullness of your salvation. It transforms their lives and uses them to transform the lives of others. As each one goes into the community, I ask that you give them words of life to speak over others. I ask that deeds will be fitting with the workings of your kingdom. I ask that you enable them with the supernatural. Be exalted and lifted up, our Lord, we pray. We love you this day. Amen. Amen. God bless you.